came up with the idea to go steal. And I said, well, why don't, why don't we just kill the dude then? Nah, you won't do that. I come from a machista culture. A dare is a dare. And we're live. Cool. So episode two was good, right? I had a lot of fun with it, and uh, we've had some pretty cool responses from the episode. We have. One of which was really stood out to me. I'm not going to mention her name, because I don't know if she's weird about it or not. Um, I kind of would be, I think. Anyway, so last episode, people that didn't tune in, for whatever reason, you're tuning in just now. It was about La Lechuza. Um, Yeah, we're not going to explain it. Just go listen. It's a really fun episode. So someone wrote in and said... um, my mom says there was a lechuza at the top of our house. She remembers hearing the wings flapping across the whole house. I believe it has been after me since up until maybe high school. I said, oh, that's really unsettling. Have you ever tried to warn it off? And she said, no, eventually it stopped as if to say, too old, as if the lechuza said, this one's not ripe anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. But yeah, that was really interesting. I thought that was... A cool little story we would share with you that pertained to our last episode. Really spooky stuff. And I don't know if it was just like me anticipating recording today or the rain that happened overnight. We had like big thunderstorms in San Antonio last night. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a dream that I saw the Lechusa. Oh, and you didn't tell me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like, bro, no. And she was just letting me know that, hey, someone's going to die. And I, was, I started telling her off and she like flapped away. You did but, what you're supposed to do. Yeah. I did what I was supposed to do. But it's just like, no, I'm not not I was not ready for that. And I woke up and it was raining again. I'm like, no, not today. Not today. <laughs> <laughs> not today, Satan. No. Oh, Be back. Get back. Hopefully so, you were thinking about it a lot, but in any case, I think we should both salt our houses again. Fuck all the plants. I'm going to go ahead and just, like, cleanse it. Burn just, some just... sage. Put some holy exactly. water in places. You know what I mean? Try yeah. not to open a portal because I've got that weird juju that follows me. <laughs> the oceans are already on fire. Like, three of them are. But they lose just waiting for his cue. You know what I mean? Underneath, like, just tell me when. Just tell me when. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So let's let's jump into episode three. And it's going to be the triple axe murder that is here from Laredo again. I feel like it's only the second episode we do that pertains to Laredo, but there's gonna be so much more. There is. And I just really want to say, Laredo's not a bad place to live. It may sound <laughs> a bit, it really might. It's not, a ba- it's not the best place to live. You could say that about any place, right? It, like it, it could be better, not gonna lie. Like, you know, they could really work on like, you know, infrastructure and like management within the city, but I, I digress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, 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 so not the best place, but definitely not the worst. It has, it has its quirks, you know what I mean? It's home. Um, murders being one of them, and it just happened to be quality content for our podcast. So, And I haven't heard anyone talk about it in any other podcasts I listen to, so it's going to be fun. And it was our first request. Oh, true, true. We had like two people um, say, you should talk about this, and I was like, you know what? Son of a bitch, I'm in. So, <laughs> We're doing this. We're doing this. Super fun. Um, Netflix actually did an episode on this on their show, I Am a Killer. And this aired back in 2018. It is the fourth episode and it's called Sympathy for the Devil. 
So Bro. if y'all want to go back, yeah. I was so mad watching that. I'm not going to lie. I was so mad. And I was just like annoyed. And I, I picked apart that episode so much. And I'm just like, they could have done this. Why didn't they look at this? Whereas, anyway, I'll let you talk about well, that. Because yeah, I'm just it, like it is, fuming. It is, yeah. It's a really heartbreaking um, case for one individual in particular. Because he really got the shit end of the stick. Um, so much so that there was like a national um, outcry. And some, I forget where the woman's from. But a woman not even from Laredo. I want to say not even from Texas started a um, change.org like uh, petition. And I have the pictures here. I think there's about, it needs 10,000 signatures. And the last time I checked, it had like 9,500, maybe 9,550. Um, okay. The man that we're going to be talking about, one of the men we're talking about, the one who really got the shit under the stick. So this is how bad that case went for that guy. So again, um, under Netflix's I Am a Killer, fourth episode called Sympathy for the Devil. You can watch it on your own time if you want to. I remember watching this back when it aired and it was entertaining, but equally really upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna rewind all the way back to 1991. This is the scene of the crime, right? You and I were like probably not even born yet. That was my birth year. It's 91, yeah. It Both of us, yeah. It, yeah, I don't we, think we, we were, were we were brewing. We, we were, were brewing. brewing. <laughs> yeah, but it was just ugh, man. So 1991. Let me bust my notes out real quick. <laughs> yep. Let's see. So the motives behind this crime were never truly understood. We're gonna preface by saying that because at the end of it, you're gonna be like, but why? But why did they? Why like what? This didn't need to happen. This like. So many things could have been done to just been like, deuces, I'm out, bye. So, so much. There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's three individuals we're talking about in this case. Um, two of them have the same first name. So it's Miguel Martinez, Miguel Venegas, and Milo Flores. Since Miguel Martinez and Venegas have the same uh, first name, I'll be referring to Miguel Venegas as just Venegas. Um, so you all don't get confused. So I don't confuse myself. I think that'll help. I'm really bad with names, so. I know, yeah, because if I, if I keep saying, like, their first and last name, I'm going to, like, trip myself out. Um, hmm. Okay. So it starts off, 1991, these three, these three kids, because they were, what, 16, 17, all of them, right? So they were in high school. They were high school kids. They all met in school. Miguel Martinez and Benegas were... I don't want to say poor, that they didn't say poor when they recanted their story. They were just, they didn't have money, right, um, to spend on doing stuff, whether it's going to restaurants or whatever. In their case, these three friends in particular liked doing a lot of drugs. <laughs> I can see, <laughs> if you catch me laughing, I'm sorry, because I can see Jeannie's cat fucking with her. Um, so these, these three guys um, on their downtime liked doing drugs. And it wasn't just like your occasional token right it was they're like doing cocaine and that shit is not cheap so uh according to both stories both martinez and Venegas, milo had said like i guess kind of through a jab and said he was tired of always providing them right i'm tired of always busting out this shit and and paying for everyone essentially so with them two being children 16 and 17, you can't just go out and get a job on that same day. They're like, oh, 
doing whatever, you know, reckless kids do. They're like, let's go fucking steal some shit, pawn some shit, sell some shit, whatever. And like, for me, I mean, and this, this really does kind of help to establish the big difference of the wealth distribution in Laredo. Mm-hmm. Um, Laredo is one of the poorest it's, it is in one of the poorest counties in the U.S. Um, it's so growing up, we've always had maybe a friend or two that were like, they were they were making it. Their family was making it. And then there was the others who, you know, they weren't doing too well. Mm-hmm. So it it's it's interesting to see how they kind of latched on to, to Milo. And he's like, hey, bro, you know, I want friends. Here's some drugs. Let's party. Yes. And it's, it's, you know, thinking back, like when we were that age, um, people do take advantage, right? Like, oh, for sure. Yeah. So, especially if you like to party and you have the means to provide that party drug, people are going to fucking attach to you like nothing, like flies on shit. You know oh, I mean? for sure. Yeah. So, okay, back to the, back to the story. Um, they decided they were going to go break into someone's house, steal some shit to provide um, cocaine, right? Go sell some shit, go get, go get some drugs, have a good time. So the house that they decided to go to, interestingly enough, uh, interestingly enough, belonged to Miguel Martinez's prior employer. And his name was James Smiley, right? Did I get that right? Yes, you did. Sorry, I'm looking at my, name, my notes. Um, and he was a manager at Arby's in Laredo. For some reason, and they don't really touch back on this uh, throughout the whole case on Netflix, Miguel had keys to this guy's house. And I, I want to put a pin in that real quick because I feel like that's horrifically inappropriate. I don't care it what is. you're saying. Yeah. Um, so Mr. Smiley was 33 years old. And by all accounts, everyone they interviewed, he was like a stand-up guy, um, really involved in church, really involved in like wanting to help um, younger gentlemen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess just wanted to do good. But I feel like if you're giving keys to someone and they're not of legal age, it's questionable. Yeah. And in when we get to that section of, of the case... Um, there were accusations that were made and all of them were unsubstantiated. Mm-hmm. So that means that there was no evidence to really prove that something more malicious could have been going on, but mm-hmm. it still leaves, you know, a question to why were these kids, you know, given keys? Uh, why were they staying the night? Um, there could be some explanations to it as well. And I don't like to talk ill of the dead, but it, it still leaves a very eerie fog to it all. Um, yeah. So. No, yeah, exactly. It's, it's just, so that alone, them starting off by saying, oh, well, we didn't really have to break in. I had keys to this guy's house. Like, what are you, I'm sorry. What are you doing with a grown man's keys to his house? Especially your employer. I don't care how close you are. You don't have keys to someone's house like that. That's strange. So that's where they went. It was easy for them. That's where they decided to go. Um. They said they were going to steal items and sell them for drugs. But very quickly, Martinez recounts that recounts that Venegas wanted to do harm, right? Like he, as soon as they got there, like his kind of stance changed where he didn't just want to break in. Like he wanted to do, he wanted to cause destruction. He wanted to break shit 
mess up shit, not just break in, steal, and bounce. It, and it, for Venegas, it went like beyond that too. Like the stuff that he starts to talk about, especially with this, when they interview him and the Netflix special, which guys, you need to go see this Netflix special. Yeah, it's, a, it's a really good one. But yeah, he, he, he describes himself as being off his fucking rocker. At a young he age. does. Yeah. He does. He openly s- describes himself as this person who's just not all there. And you'll, if you go and watch this, you'll see why. Um, so they, they get, they get there and uh, they have bats, knives, and ax. Um, let's see. So again, let me, I'm, tr- I'm trying to, to tell the story in a way where you can visualize it if you don't watch it, right? So again, there was three guys, um, Miguel Martinez, Venegas, and Mila Flores. So Milo's driving them. Um, he drives them to the house and drops them off about two blocks away to give him time to turn around and pick them up, right? So they're it goes even and- beyond that. Milo, like, just, he supplied everything. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to get into that in a little bit, but, like, I'm trying to, to unfold it the way Netflix did. Okay. Where you're kind of just given, like, you're kinda, you kind of have to decide for yourself, like, what's going on, right? So Milo drops them off about two bucks away to give him enough time, supposedly, to drive around, pick them up, because the plan was to just break in, steal some shit, and then, you know, tr- turn it around for some drugs. Um... Let's see. When Miguel and Venegas got to the house, there was someone in the house. They weren't anticipating this. Miguel wanted to leave. Martinez. When I say Miguel, I mean Martinez. I'm not trying to get anyone confused. Um, And Venegas was seemingly more into this now. Um, Super eerie. Super creepy, right? Um, Martinez says, Venegas said, he was now on a mission for Satan, and Satan wanted their souls. (laughs) Okay, like, if I'm hanging out with someone, I don't care how high I was, I would have been like, I'm out, dude. (laughs) That's some juju that I am not down for yet. Like, yeah, yeah, man, Satan told me to do this. Um, drop me off right here. Yeah. I just, I don't want to, no, I'm done. No, yeah. Well, at that point, yeah. At that point, they were already outside the house. And Venegas is like, yeah, I'm here for Satan. Let's do this. I'm going to give him what he wants. If I was Martinez, I would have been like, Fred Flintstone. <laughs> oh, the other way, right? Not that. No. Um, but Miguel did say he didn't want to leave because he was scared of Venegas at that point, which I could understand. Um, if you've ever been around someone that's kind of manic, like you're scared to move. What What is that? Uh, there is a, um, there was something, a study in psychology where it talks about that, where it's it has to do with the crowd and following the crowd. And it could be doing something bad, but if they are the, I guess, that force that is more, um, I guess, strong, Mm -hmm. that even if it's wrong, that they're going to go ahead and follow that person. Uh, I forgot what it was called, though. Do you you think it's what it was? It was just like he he seemed more confident, so he went, he just kind of did it, right, to do it? Do you think he was scared out of his mind and feared him attacking Venegas attacking him, right? Martinez feared Venegas attacking him if he were to say, no, I don't want to do this. Taking it from, if I heard it from this perspective, not knowing what I know now, I would have thought that, yeah, maybe he was afraid. But knowing Mm -hmm. what I know and what you're going to talk about later, I'd be like, bro, no. Like, he had every chance to say, like, deuces so long ago. Yeah, so, okay. So they're there. Now shit gets dark. And Miguel claims his memory gets fuzzy at this point. But he recalls standing over a guy sleeping on the couch, only a few way, few feet away from the entrance. So they literally come in, 
And a few feet away from the door, there's a sofa and there's someone in sleep, like right beside of them. Venegas has an ax and he hit him once. Both Venegas and Miguel had a knife, but Venegas started to now stab the person he just swung an ax at. Miguel claims it was rather quick. He recalls Venegas looking at him with a knife and says, it's your turn. I'm going to pause right there because if you're, if someone just swung an ax at a sleeping person's head and they start to stab them violently and they go, hey, yeah, dude, bro, it's your turn. Like, jump in. What do you do? Right? Like, how do you process that? I don't, I don't, for me personally, if somebody is, they have an ax and they, I don't, dude, I don't. I'd, I'd be out of there so quick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'd be out of there so quick. Like, this no, guy yeah. is crazy enough to kill somebody in their sleep. I do not need to be here. Yeah, yeah. So, shit's getting real dark. And it's just, I would have been terrified out of my fucking mind, right? Ooh. So, Miguel has a folding knife, and he stabbed the already butchered body. He walked away to the sliding door that led to the backyard. While Miguel was outside, Venegas stabbed another person in another room. Miguel said he wanted to leave, and Venegas ordered him to go back in. Sorry, I'm losing track of my notes. Um, So he then ordered... Yeah, okay. So Miguel wanted to leave, and Venegas ordered him to go back in and grab the axe. Then he disappeared into another back room. When Venegas returned, he said there was a guy back there, and Satan, Satan wanted their soul. So at this point, this is like the third time he says this. But this dude keeps mentioning Satan. I'm like, um, <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm like, is he is he like speaking to you in your head or like? Because I don't hear him, bro. <laughs> That's right? how, like, I would have been like, I don't know, man. Like everything I know about Satan, he doesn't need your help, homie. He does yeah. not need your help. Like, is he like a little voice, or do you see him? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh god i just that's that it's really it's we're laughing but it's it's no funny. and it's and we're so sorry it's just uh, when we get nervous or like especially me if i get nervous or something's really dark we we were both raised by uh parents who work in the medical field mm-hmm. i know that's not an explanation but we laugh at really dark moments oh no yeah we just we make light out of a dark situation for sure it just it helps to. us cope you have to keep saying yeah definitely um, so they took, okay, I'm, I'm going off of the interview that, um, Martinez gave, Miguel Martinez gave. They took one TV and his car. They drove to Milo's house as they had driven to the street where Milo was supposed to be waiting, but he wasn't there. Venegas ordered Miguel not to go in. He would talk to Milo and returned and they went to other people's houses. So they take the the guys, who, well, okay, the owner of the house, who they just slaughtered, along with two guests, they took a TV and they took his car and they went to go meet Milo because that dude bailed for whatever reason. Um, Miguel didn't get down. The Nengas did, came right back in. And I guess they went off to like another party, do more drugs or something. Um, yeah, And so that he, like, that, that blows my mind even more. So like, you committed a murder. And then you go off and do more drugs, like nothing happened. You steal TVs and VCRs, like mm-hmm. yeah, like to to. <sighs> so there was like a disconnect at that point. Like there's, yeah, I don't some know, sort of disassociation going on clearly because to have just murdered all these people, and I'm sure you know drugs played a big role here. They were going on a bender apparently, um, 
to have just murdered people or even just witnessed murdering those people and then be in the car, whatever, do your own thing. Like that's, that's some really, really messed up shit. That's That's going to come back and haunt you. Right. So they, they go to other people's houses and Miguel didn't get home till late afternoon the next day. He never saw Venegas again. Mila wanted to talk to Miguel that night as he was claiming to be worried about Venegas. And that was the last time he spoke to Milo before he was arrested. <sighs> okay. So remember this all happened. They were all kids. Um, Miguel Martinez was 17. Miguel Venegas was 16. Um, Milo, I want to say was 17 also. I don't really remember. They don't mention him too much. And we'll get back into that in a little bit. But yeah, so they're all kids. They just committed this horrific crime or you know, know about it. The victims were later identified as 20-year-old Ruben Martinez, 14-year-old Daniel Duenas. They're both from Nuevo Laredo, Mexico, and James Smiley, who was 33. So these three people, gone like that. Yeah. We're not anticipating anything. There was no explanation, right? Like, I feel really bad for these, their families because there was no reason for them to die. And I'm not sure if it's it's um if because uh, I know that it was really hard to get information, especially on on um, the victims. But mm-hmm. I know that Smiley worked for an orphanage across. Do you know if those kids were orphans? Yeah. Well, so they don't they don't say that. But um, James Smiley was an Arby's manager and a Baptist min- minister. He was uh he did mission work with an orphanage in Mexico. And I think that is where maybe he was trying to get them on their feet here. Um, either provide a job or a place to live or both. Uh, but people described him as like super happy and super involved with the needy and youth group. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, let's just, that's that 14 year old breaks my heart. Yeah. I mean, all of them do, all of them do right. Um, the 20 year old, obviously, but 14 years old. That's yeah. That's, that's, oh, and we'll come to find out later that, like, that 14 year old actually fought for his life. Like, it was, there were signs of struggle with him, oh, which no. is, at least that kid fought to the death, right? Like, poor yeah. kid. Um, the lead investigator they interviewed noted that the level of violence was incredible. They also mentioned the youngest of the victim. Oh, here we go. The youngest victim showed signs of struggle and fought for his life. Another concerning note was that in Mr. Smiley's room, they saw a turned crucifix that was upside down, really highlighting the level of intimidation here. All right. Like this dude wanted to leave and it was like an extra fuck you. Boom. Like that's dude. I can't even. Yeah. Yeah. So, so investigators walk into this bloodbath. Um, and the first thing they noticed off the bat was that there's no forced entry. Um, they knew someone had keys. Right. And I feel like I'm not an investigator, right? But it'd be cool shit if I was. Um, I think that's even more chilling, like because it wasn't, it wasn't just some random thing. Like you straight up knew what you were going into. Yeah, that's it, it's horrible. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and then so now I'm going off a lot of the Netflix documentary because I. Articles I found online, like Netflix did a lot of the legwork and they put it together really well. So I'm, re- I'm going off of a lot of that. So now we're going to talk about Milo because we haven't spoken about him really much at all. Um, so Milo was the son of a local district judge. Surprise, Milo, surprise. Yeah. Manuel Milo Flores declined the opportunity to be interviewed 
back in 2018 when this this aired. Uh, But his father agreed to speak in his place. Um, And like, for me, you're you're a grown. You're a grown-ass man. Like, Mm -hmm. you can speak. And if you want to deny speaking, then you deny speaking as his father. He should have respected, I think, because I think it just made it look worse. Yeah, so I don't know um, if he decided to speak for his son or if he decided to speak for himself to clear his own name, right? Because I feel like his name was really dragged through the mud. And rightly so, right? Like you're, you're, you have a prominent position in the city mm-hmm. and your son is involved in this horrific crime. Of course, people are going to talk. Yeah. Of course, they're going to talk and be like, well, how suspicious, how convenient that your kid had nothing done to him, right? Not even like community service. They, they, like in all the interviews, if you watch this special, which are mainly just Miguel and I guess, um, they mentioned openly how they were all doing drugs at times. Like not even that, you didn't even like bother to like drug test your kid or like yeah. <sighs> whatever. Um, so yeah, so his dad agrees to speak in his place and his dad's old. You'll see in the documentary, if you decide to watch it, his dad is an older man and uh, he claims it was a normal morning getting ready for work when the police knocked on his door explaining the murder and having a suspicion of the ax being on his property. Uh, which I feel like if you're a parent and you're getting ready to go to work and someone knocks on, it's the cops knocking on your door and be like, hey, there's this brutal fucking murder that just happened and we have reason to believe the act is right here. How do you process that? I don't think I would. Like, I don't think I could process that. I, well, knowing what I know because of, you know, school and what I'd be like, well, first and foremost, you have a warrant. Mm-hmm. And second off, excuse me while I call my attorney. Mm-hmm. When you come back with a warrant, my attorney and I will be waiting for you. That's yeah. just how I would perceive things. And this guy was an attorney too. So yeah, he, had, he had been a practicing attorney since the 70s and it's the 90s when this is going, right? 91. So he gives the cops the acts without hesitation. And investigator Torres questioned Milo. His father recalls the story of them wanting to trash a house. But interestingly enough, says they wanted to do something bad to someone who was pretending to be good. And I want to I want to just talk about that for a second because... So Mila's dad mentions this and him saying they wanted to do something bad to someone who was pretending to be good. I feel like everyone watching this is going to know they're talking about James Smiley. Right. Because they're like, hmm, this dude that already has a 14-year-old sleeping in his room and a 20-year-old sleeping on his sofa and a 17-year-old has keys to his house. It's not looking good for Mr. Smiley. Right. Right. And it it's just... That whole thing, I'll, I'll let you go on because I'm just like, there's so much that. Ugh. Oh no, yeah, so it's it's there's so it's. I, I felt like that was really um, interesting that like Milo's dad even said that like that stood out to him. To even now he remembered that. Um, he asked why they took an axe, right? So Milo's dad is asking asking his son Milo, um, and he claimed they wanted a gun, but he said no, so he gave them an axe to shut them up. Which I don't know if it, it doesn't it doesn't really feel genuine to me, but I don't know. I wasn't there. No one else was there. Right. But I feel like if my friend asked me for a gun, first of all, they gotta know you have guns. And I'm sure, like back then, I think it's, the stance on guns was a lot more lax, right? especially yeah. people that had ranches and everything, which they do. Um, the Flores family. But yeah, to just 
and be like, oh, you know, they wanted a gun, but I, I shut them up with an axe. Or, mm, okay. And like, and as a, as a friend or as an acquaintance even, like, and that's another thing, um, mm. is that Venegas wasn't too familiar with Milo or with right. Milo. So, uh, yeah. why trust somebody with even an axe? Why trust somebody with even, like, the yeah. knives? But we got to keep in mind that drugs were, were a big part of this thing, right? Ugh. Yeah, like, that's, that's, what, that's what brought them together was doing drugs. Um, so law enforcement lets Milo go, as he has little to nothing to do with it. Once this got into the newspaper, people speculated that his father let him off easy as a judge, but this holds little to no truth. So, yeah. So, back in the... So... Like we, talked, like we said earlier, people can talk shit. People love talking shit, especially if you're a prominent figure of the community. So, I can guarantee you, if... If, if this was in the paper now, I'd probably be saying the same thing. Like, oh, how convenient. Yeah. Your daddy's a judge and there's nothing going on with you. Mm. Sounds there were actually a couple cases recently where um, some uh, very some big wigs in Laredo their their kids got involved in some stuff and they all got off with like nothing virtually and it's still a big deal we still get really upset oh, yeah. when we see those things mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and I've spoke to a couple friends who were uh, actually attorneys during that period and he completely after that case he was not able to practice at all he his career tanked. So, yeah, it it became a thing and it was just very well known that even amongst his professional peers that they couldn't trust him. Yeah, no, it's shady. That's all I'm going to say. So O.J. Hill was or still is. Uh, I'm going to say was because he, he still works uh, for the city, but he was the lead investigator and still has the weapons the killers used. You can see this in the documentary if you decide to watch it. Um, and he refers to them as hands-on weapons, which signifies a strong psychological hold as it takes more effort to use these weapons than it would a gun. And that's, that's really true. So in uh, a lot of, you know, murder cases like this, when you use an ax, that shows personal, it's, it's very personal and it's, it's very rage filled right build like you're you're not just doing it to get it over with like boom you're done like with a gun right a gun you shoot someone in the head or the chest and it's over quick whatever you really have to put in work with an axe or with a folding knife which is what they have i feel yeah nuts it's horrible it was yeah it was it's just look even looking at the weapons themselves and seeing like the severity of of the crime and hearing about it there just had to be so much thought that went into this knowing that hey um we're gonna take these weapons they're super hands-on like we don't have a gun but we're gonna go in and you know what i've changed my mind we're gonna go ahead and kill these kids yeah it's and to to have that switch happen with an Mm -hmm. axe it just there is that that person had to have been filled with so much anger so much rage and even statistically speaking, historically speaking, as far as murders go, if you look at the type of murder with the type of weapon, it's usually crimes of passion with knives, uh, with axes. Mm-hmm. It's it's ugh, it's rage, lots and lots of rage involved. Oh, for uh, sure. Mm. 
and it's, guns have always been a method to distance yourself from the victim. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's yeah. So again, this case was likely drug induced, and for all we know, Benegas could have had some sort of drug induced psychosis, right? Because if he's already struggling, drugs only amplify that. He's he's heard Satan like in the background. Like it reminds me of that scene from Cusco when it's got like the devil and like <laughs> and the angel on one side is like Kronk, except he's got like two devils and one's just like angrier than the other. Like, bro, let's break in. Nah, fuck that. Let's kill. Yes, that needs to be included in our out of context summary. <laughs> Thank you to the viewer who does those, by the way, because they're Dude, amazing. I, I really I, I want to start uploading those like every episode. Uh, um, okay. So, again, it might have been drug-induced. It might have just been a lot of rage. We don't know. We weren't there. So, at 16, Venegas was too young to face a death penalty. So, he accepted a plea deal for 41 years in prison. As a result of this, he has never had to testify in court and has never spoken publicly about the murders. Now, let's just let's visit this. So, at 16, he was granted the luxury of being too young to face the death penalty. But they killed a 14-year-old without any repercussion. Like, I get it. That that law is there for a reason, right? And but he accepted a plea deal and has never had to testify? That's bullshit. And I was talking to you earlier about this, and this is what bothered me the most. There is a law in Texas. It's called the... The law of parties. And this mm-hmm. is why Martinez had that sentence versus Venegas basically not getting sentenced for a triple homicide. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just, it blew my mind how Venegas is the one that held the axe. And Venegas is the one that put the axe to every person in that house. But he doesn't serve, he to me, he doesn't serve time. He doesn't no, he serve doesn't. the time that is that is needed to bring justice to these people exactly. that were killed. Yeah. yeah. So really soon we're gonna we're gonna come to see that that Miguel Martinez is the one that really got the shit end of the stick. And it's it, it it it's there's no other way to put it. Like he got fucked. And yeah. it's so heartbreaking because it, it's so unfair. That's what it is. Um, and let okay. us remind everybody, all the listeners, mm-hmm. Milo didn't get charged with shit nothing not you know uh providing drugs providing providing the murder weapons nothing he literally walked yeah the ride walked away scot-free right which is bullshit um so venegas claims what what he calls the warp in his mind happened at about the age seven or eight he became convinced he was the son of the devil he (laughs) bargained with himself and said, if I'm the son of the devil, none of these spiders are going to bite me. He would then proceed to catch jars full of black widows and then exclaim to his friends that he was the son of the devil and he would pour the spiders from the jar onto his chest and he was never bit. I, mm, okay. So, oh, there's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot. (laughs) Psychologically speaking, there's a lot to unpack there. I feel like it's a lot of daddy issues. I, I honestly feel too that this story was completely made up. I, mean, I, I I really do feel that. Like even by the way that this guy is speaking, you you need to see the interview, y'all. You have to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like he tries a little too hard, but but in the case that he's not, in the case that like he really believed this, I feel like it's he might because I knew kids like like 
I didn't know what kid that would kind of be the son of the devil, but like there were some shithead kids that would try to convince me that like they had superpowers. They just didn't come out when I was around, you know? And so in that case, I could see that. And if he had some deep psychological issues with his dad, it kind of makes sense that he would be like, the, you know, my dad's the devil. My dad's Satan. Right. To try and replace whatever right, father it, figure it he had. A layer of like mystery. Yeah. And like, I'm kind of above you because I'm the son of a, of a legend. <laughs> of a know? god. Yeah. A, oh, yeah. Um, he claims that FaZe left him. Um, right. So it happened around seven or eight and it didn't happen again until he was 16 that night. Right. So um, then I guess brings up that that story at the beginning where um, Milo complains or exclaims that he's always the one providing the cocaine and it yeah. really upset the guess it really it was really insulted and didn't want to seem like a like a leech or a mooch so he decides to get money for drugs somehow stealing by way of miguel's key to smiley's house according to venegas milo offers the gun then claims he has no access to the gun so venegas thinks of using knives then he finds an axe and a baseball bat venegas suggests killing smiley yeah Jokingly, people say you won't. Venegas goes on to say, I come from a machista culture. A dare is a dare. As if to say, I couldn't possibly back down now. I I, I can oh. see it in your face. Bro. What is that? Oh. You okay. Yes. Our, fa- our, mm, our family is machista. <laughs> uh, no. Our culture, yes, it can be machista. Like mm-hmm. as, you know, Latinos, Latinas, all of y'all out there, you grew up, you understand, you know what mm-hmm. machismo is, right? Mm-hmm. But, oh my goodness, to say that, well, it's a dare at this point, if I'm going to kill this person or not, I just, it doesn't, it blows my mind. It doesn't make any sense. For sure. Uh, if you want to talk about it in that case too, talk about honor. That is in our culture. Yeah. Respect, that is in our culture. Yeah. And this is the pilot and the negative, the toxic shit. Um, but yeah, that phrase, I come from a machista culture. There's a dare. Like, mm, okay. I feel, I feel like it's it for itself. I don't need to make fun of it. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so they get to the house and find three other people in the house. Miguel says they should leave. And Benega says um, that the thought of money saturates his mind. So he has to kill them. All of them. More souls to the devil, he claims. Uh, <laughs> oh, <on> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Just, uh, I'm just this kid should have been like on a psych hold a long he, time ago. You know what? I it, it blows my mind that he wasn't. Then again, remember, he never had to testify because he took the plea deal. So he that dude just was kind of smart about someone that that's clearly off their fucking rocker. He was he was smart about it in that sense. Or his lawyer was. Um, so Benega sees the person asleep on the sofa, grabs the axe, and thinks for a second while high off his ass. Then the person wakes up and looks directly at him and goes back to sleep. This is, this is according to Venegas, right? His version of the story. Oof. This fuels the thought with Venegas that the devil is on his side and has his back. So he took it as, well, if the devil's on my side, that person should have, you know, woken up, saw me, and freaked the fuck out. But he didn't. Like, Satan put him back to sleep. So I'm going to do Satan a, a, a favor now and kill this motherfucker. That's 
No, that's... Yeah. Yeah. So he swings the axe. He can't recall if the axe was in the skull or if he moved it, but then he started to stab him in the chest and mentioned how Miguel claims to have only stabbed once. Benegas has no clue. He claims to have been so preoccupied with his own stabbing to really know. He wanted to kill these people and get out of there. He then notices Miguel not there anymore. This is when Miguel Martinez went to the back door to throw up. So let's just, let's look at, let's look at the differences real quick. Benegas is like, he swung an axe into this dude's skull singing like hail satan basically and is just fucking stabbing him martinez stabs once because venegas told him to and he's scared out of his mind and then proceeds to run out the back sliding door and throw up like if that doesn't scream innocence i don't know okay but here's my problem with that though he runs out the back to throw up why didn't he keep running why yeah. didn't he keep running? Why did he go back into the house? That's, that's, that's exactly what I think too. I'm like, why? Why would you stay there? I would, dude. I would have been like, fuck this shit. I'm going straight to the cops. Like this is this is just yeah, it's way too far gone. And this but, is the reason, and I'm pretty sure this is the reason why he was charged and he is he is guilty for partaking in this because he did voluntarily re-enter the home. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. there is enough forethought to like, okay, you threw up. You witness that the adrenaline's going, and then you have enough clarity to walk back in to the trauma that you've just experienced. For sure, to partake yeah, in yeah. it, I'm like, Ugh. yeah, like you, you made that decision. So Miguel comes back, M- Miguel Martinez. He comes back in and says he doesn't want to do this anymore. Then I guess orders him to keep doing to keep going, otherwise the devil will kill them. But I guess openly says, I told him to go to the side. I'll take care of the rest. Benegas, yeah. So let's talk about that for a second. This dude openly says, I'm going to rephrase this. I told him to move to the side. I'll take care of the rest. You're literally admitting to doing all of the work. Yes. In this interview, right? So Benegas goes on to kill the 14-year-old first. He stabbed him in the stomach and noticed he was a kid, but killed him anyway. (sighs) Okay, so here's the thing. And this is, this, for those who have seen this interview know what I'm about to ask, Belle. How did he notice he was a child, Annabelle? Uh, I don't remember. Honestly, I'm, I'm he, so far deep in my notes. He noticed he was a child because the kid woke up and said, hey, hey, what are you oh, yes. doing? Yes, yes. No, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so far into my notes. Yes, you're absolutely right. Which is Horrific. And he totally contradicts himself about the whole devil putting the person back to sleep. Because mm-hmm. if that's the case and the devil wanted you, you know, to kill somebody and you put them back to sleep, why the hell is this kid fighting for fighting. his life at that point? Yeah. Why is he struggling? Like, yeah, for sure. But yeah. psychosis, Actually, drugs. Yeah, that's – I forgot to put that in my notes. But, yeah, that kid did do that, which is so heartbreaking because that kid fought for his life, right? So – he noticed he was a kid, killed him anyway, which he was only two years older than this kid. Yeah. Like, no. Okay. <sighs> then he makes his way to Smiley's room and he, quote, chopped him in the head with an axe. <laughs> Here's the kicker. They found no money. They took a TV, a VCR, some jewelry, and then he turned over crucifixes, Right. So the whole reason they went there was to find some money or find some shit to sell. And all they made off with was a TV, a VCR, and some jewelry that was probably just costume jewelry. Like, 
Mm. I can't even. Yeah. So he acknowledged. Oh, 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 I'm so sorry. Sorry about that. No, you're good. I have. We all have bets. He acknowledged that he took three lives. He knows it was horrendous, and he knows the 41 years given to him were a slap on the hand. He knows he likely won't be there the entirety of the sentence. He knows if he did do the whole 41 years, it wouldn't pay for one life. Okay. So he was completely aware of this. Completely aware. And he knew. And the way that he even said it, he just sounded so sarcastic about it. Like, yeah, I know. I know I got a slap on the wrist. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. dude. That- like that was like the icing on the cake for me. Like I wanted to like reach into the screen and like claw <laughs> his eyes out for what he said. Oh, dude, no. Yeah. The- I, even in my notes, I have, oh. I have the word knows in like all caps. Like he knows everything very well. He's, he's completely aware. He's completely aware that he is obviously not serving the time that he should be serving. And he like yeah. mocks. It's just, the injustice yeah, of he, the families, dude. Like, I just can't. Like, it just. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, <Center> myself. <laughs> so this is this is where it sucks, right? So, um, before we get into like the how the how Martinez and Venegas, how their memories kind of collide, I'm gonna go back and mention Venegas was only 16, Martinez was 17. So Venegas was 16. He wasn't uh, able to even qualify for the death penalty, but Martinez was. Because he was 17 and they rendered him an adult and they gave him the death penalty. And I feel, I, I don't remember if it was, it wasn't that special, but it was something else. I don't know if my mom told me if I saw it um, in the newspaper because the newspaper ran with this after it aired. Yeah, yeah. I think the the judge on the case, I don't remember who it was, they made it like an example out of him. So while he didn't. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course they did. Heck yeah. They they had to that that's they had no way of charging the child mm-hmm. who actually killed these people, which I have issues with altogether because precedents had already been established that especially with uh, a crime of this severity that you can. I really just feel that perhaps yeah. the prosecutor didn't want to run with it because he was afraid of looking too. I guess, strict on this and actually charging somebody that young with a life sentence, it just, it blows my mind. It's just, there's so much wrong with this. And I'm, mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, for sure. So I just, I just wanted to, to mention that so you all don't get lost, right? So then I guess goes on to claim that him and Miguel, they have different memories, but that Miguel knew exactly what was going to happen. We share the blame, he claims. Venegas mentioned Miguel doesn't mention his relationship with Mr. Smiley. He doesn't even want to say his name, he claims. He asks Miguel what in this house, who is this guy? Miguel responds with, oh, he's just some faggot. <sighs> heavy. Heavy. Venegas makes the claim that Smiley was a pedophile. At least that's what my lawyer told me, he says. He claims he was so young he had no idea what the word meant. That his lawyer had told him he had families willing to testify in court that Mr. Smiley messed with their kids. That's a so, quote. again, super unsubstantiated. There is no evidence behind it. I really do feel like the attorneys took the opportunity to run with this and try and mm-hmm. make it seem like they were 
in like the heat of the moment. This was a crime of passion. I there is. I'm not justifying pedophilia by any means, but as I stated earlier, this again, this there was no evidence behind it. It was unsubstantiated. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a way to try and humanize the action. I that again, mm-hmm. my general opinion on that. I I feel like, it, no, for sure, because because they're like, like you were kind of insinuating. There's a big difference between being like, oh, we went in and killed this dude for no reason at all, as opposed to being like, well. There was a reason he really, there was a lot of resentment, a lot of built up um, emotion towards this man because he was sexually abusing this. He's a child. He's 17 years old. He's still mm-hmm. a child, you know, and for a jury to hear that, if I wasn't part of that jury, I would have been like, fuck yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I have no sympathy for pedophiles. Right. None. Does, do I think someone has the power to kill them? No. But am I going to mourn the loss of that pedophile? Absolutely. And then how does that justify the deaths of the two children that were in the home? Exactly. That's exactly. I, like, had they just killed, like, Smiley, that would have been, like, one thing, but they killed the other two kids. Like, to me, that doesn't um, – there's nothing that actually clicks there. It's not cohesive, for sure. Yeah. Um, Benega says Miguel lived with Mr. Smiley. Um, Joe Rubio, who's a previous DA, says people they interviewed about Smiley claimed he was a stand-up citizen – there was never evidence of that. He was dedicated to family, church, and work. Um, after Miguel Martinez received the death penalty, he was one of the youngest on death row. They offered him life in prison for a plea of guilty. He didn't want it and went to trial. He lost and got the death penalty. So in 2002, after an international campaign, his death sentence was commuted to life in prison. Okay. The DEA... Yeah, so... Okay, get this. It gets better. The DEA at the time even says it wasn't fair that Miguel got the death penalty and Venegas couldn't because right. of his age. Uh, the DA is yes. even saying that. And for me, that was like, ugh. And I, I can't stand that as far as sentencing went, that they attempted to give Martinez, correct, Martinez, right? They mm-hmm. gave him the death penalty. At, in, mm-hmm. Okay. When... Venegas is known, has said to his attorney at this point, because again, he hasn't spoken freely about it until 2018, but he has openly Mm -hmm. said to his attorney and to investigators that he killed all of them. He killed all of them. And that he told Martinez to back up. I got this. So it's like, well, I, did he say that back then? Because he didn't have to. He just took the plea. He didn't have to say anything. And, and he, so, the story he's mm-hmm. giving now, I couldn't tell if he if that was a story he was that he had told his lawyer then, or if he's just speaking on it now because he's never had to be interviewed right. or questioned about it because he just took the plea, right? So, and that's true because <sighs> from what I understood, when I took it, is that his lawyer knew. But again, he could just be saying these things at this point for like, I don't know, fame, clout, who knows? Yeah. Yeah, because I I don't know when he's getting out. I haven't done the, I don't know if he's getting out soon. I I actually, if he should have 10 years um, to go on Mm -hmm. his sentence because he was a fort, actually 11 years. Um, 
this happened in 91. He was sentenced for 41 mm-hmm. years in prison. We're born 91. I'm 30. So quick math here. I'm not the greatest at math. He should have another 11 years to go. Yeah. If he does the full mm-hmm. time. Which I hope he does. <laughs> I, sincere, I sincerely hope he does. He doesn't look like somebody who's going to get out early for good behavior. Ugh. No, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the grand jury decided there was evidence for Venegas and Miguel, but not for Milo. Remember Milo? Nothing happened to him. Nothing happened to this guy. So supposedly Rangers, Texas Rangers, and the FBI looked at it as well. There was no different conclusion. Um, yeah, I know. I, I don't know if I believe that or not. but Because that's, that's what his dad gonna, said, right? That the FBI went into it and looked into it and so did the Texas Rangers? Or was it the uh I think the DA that said that. The DA that said okay. Yeah. Um, so 90 days after his first interview, Miguel agreed to be interviewed again. Talking about Miguel Martinez. He notes that he has a life sentence and Milo has no sentence. He tries to align how he was treated and how Milo was treated, trying to find equality. After the interviewer plays back what Venega said in the interview, Miguel looks stunned, angry almost. He says it's amazing to him how he, how he can confess and admit after he has a 41-year sentence, Miguel has life. When he could have said it sooner, his life sentence is a daily reality. Miguel gets emotional when speaking about how he's dealt with it. He says, whatever happens to me is just a small thing. I can handle that and deal with it. Miguel Martinez has had the opportunity of parole since 2006, but has been denied every time because of the severity of the offense. Isn't that insane? I'm going to be that one, that, that, that person that's probably going to be, uh, a lot of people might not agree with me, but I agree with his life sentence. I do. Um, I just feel that Venegas should have also had a just as severe, if not oh, even more severe sentence, um, given the crime that was committed. But it is insane. It is insane mm-hmm. to see how he's watching somebody who did this he was a part of it and there's a reason why he's in jail but in hearing him brag boast say yeah i'm serving 41 years um i did it i killed all three of them making light of it almost yeah that's the most irritating part of, of his Venegas's interview right like he's just like i did it i took their souls for satan Da-da-da-da. like Okay, but you're getting like there is a light at the end of your tunnel, like that. that. And that was just, and you could, for me, in a roundabout way, him hearing Venega say that, I think that Mm -hmm. was justice served, like to Martinez, because I I'm I am I'm petty like that. Like he was there, he had every opportunity to run away, to leave, to to stop even at the beginning and he still partook in it again people might not agree with me but i mean, yeah they don't, people don't people don't have to agree you can have you can have whatever opinion you want That's exactly the beauty of cases but you can dissect them for yourself you know what i mean um but ugh. but it, it is heavy that he was he did less in the sense physically physically did less to these victims and uh got a heavier sentence so during his uh prison stint martinez has earned a bachelor of science in business and two associate of wow. art degrees 
which is interesting, right? It, um, he's also completed a number of reformative 12-step and 18-step programs, including Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, um, a faith-based program. He made a so. good use of the justice system there. And you know what? That actually, there's probably a reason as to why also, um, when you watch the interviews, y'all, you'll actually kind of lean more towards Martinez. And I, I hate to be like that, but he just, he spoke in a way that He's was just more, more um, relatable versus Venegas, who I feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like he hasn't really done much with his time, like Martinez has. I don't, I, I didn't, um, I didn't find anything on him. I, I found that on Martinez because there was such a huge outpour from people um, wanting to write to, for something to be done. Maybe not necessarily like let him out of prison, but and but even even it, with Venegas, you know what I mean? Like Venegas doesn't deserve to be out. He's the one that caused all this shit. Right. Martinez played a role. He played a role, and he could have stopped it, or could have not. It could have run away at any time. Absolutely, but Venegas is a whole reason it happened. And this is and this is something that is still like hotly debated because of their age and because of the sentencing that was had. It really makes us question our criminal justice system, like is there reform necessary is is it not necessary is reform needed at this point is should we be doing mm -hmm. something to better the situation for some of the inmates um even given certain severity certain crimes the severities of said crimes but mm -hmm. for for others they might not think that that is a good thing to do that they're there to be punished and they should be serving this as a punishment for the crimes that they have committed and without a doubt, these three people did commit this crime. Without a doubt. Like, we see it. We see the evidence. We see what happened. Yep. We saw what unfolded. One held the axe to all three versus the other who stood back. And he still stabbed. He aided in this. He still stabbed a person. But for him to be served the death penalty. And then mm -hmm. they're like, okay, you know what? Because of the outcry, we're going to go ahead and it's going to be a... Or to commute this, it's going to be a life sentence. It, I think that was a big one, a big win for him in that case. That, okay, you are not going to mm -hmm. be served the death penalty. We're going to go ahead and we're going to give you that life sentence. S justice does have to be given at some point for these families, I feel. Somebody else can come and say something else and how they feel. And I, you know what? I am open to that discussion by all means. But this is, again, how I feel on that. Oh, for sure. I don't know how I feel. Because, like, I, I see what you're saying. I'm like, justice has to be served in some sense. But like, if I were to put myself in that situation, and it was my family member that was stabbed, and the only one person was was put away for life, and the other person is young enough, he was only sixteen when he got yeah. locked up, and he only got forty one years, so he's gonna be he's gonna be at an age where he can still have a family if he wants right. to. He can still buy a little, you know, he can have a house. He can he can he can still do things that bring him happiness. The happiness that I was robbed of, right? That my family member, my loved one, my friend was robbed of. So I don't know how I feel it, about it. It blows my mind to see that. In, it's for those who don't know, in Texas, seventeen is the age of consent. Uh, seventeen, you are an adult in Texas, uh, not old enough to buy cigarettes or, mm -hmm. or beer, obviously. But um, <laughs> that is technically the legal age of consent. So that person can yeah. be tried as an adult at the age of seventeen. Sixteen, I feel like, given the crime, he should have been tried as an adult. He had an attorney who worked some sort of magic with that one. And 
it's been seen in other crimes across the board to where even if the person is 16, 15, uh, there's been some cases where some someone as young as 14 has been severely charged. I say 13, yeah. Yeah. And they have been severely yeah. charged given the circumstances. His mm-hmm. attorney really, he got him off on that one. He did. He did. Or it might, it might have been really just, it was the 90s. Like, stuff like this. And it was the radio, the 90s. Like, stuff doesn't happen every day. Oh, yeah. You know? So that's, that's the case. It's, uh, it's really upsetting in a lot of ways. Obviously, people did not need to die. Um, there's the question of, you know, justice. Was it served? Is it being served? Like, why can't they get Benegas on anything else? He just admitted in that documentary that he did everything, Unfortunately, right? you can't because of double jeopardy. He's already been tried for the murders, yeah. so you can't. Yeah. Right. Right. But I feel like Bill Cosby found a fucking loophole. We can find something. <laughs> that was so messed up. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, so and then Milo got nothing done to him. Not fucking... He provided them with the murder weapons and got nothing, not even like a, nothing, not a slap on the wrist, not, which blows my fucking mind. My favorite quote that his dad states is like, I just want these people to leave my son alone and for him to have a normal life now, to put this past him. He's had a beautiful normal life, hasn't he? I'm not going to go there, but. mm. (laughs) Yeah, for for legal reasons, um. We're not going to be talking about him. We, we're talking about what his dad said, right? We're using his name because his dad's it's quoted in the documentary. His dad openly spoke you can look back at it. Exactly. Yeah. So, but but um, we didn't even bother looking into him and what he's doing now or talking about it rather just because he has the means or that family has the means to fuck our worlds <laughs> up. So, so uh, everything we mentioned is uh, quoted. From the documentary. All right, don't come for us. Come for Netflix. <laughs> uh, we just be sipping our coffee watching this unfold, guys. And we're just, you know, supplying commentary. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I really, I, we both really recommend you watch this again. It's on the series I Am a Killer on Netflix. It is the fourth episode and it's called Sympathy Sympathy for the Devil. Excuse me. I'm chewing gum. Shouldn't be. But um, yeah, we hope... I hope you guys enjoyed this. It was a really interesting, really heartbreaking case to learn about. And talking about it, I hope you all... I want to know how you all feel about it. A lot of people wrote in with our previous episode, um, but Lala Chuza, right? And uh, their experiences with it, how they felt about it, whatever little jokes about it. But this episode, it was a lot, much heavier, much heavier tone. And uh, for sure. We want to know your your thoughts and opinions. Let us know. We'll talk about it next well, Thank episode. you guys for listening. And uh, thank you for dealing with my main coon who has been attempting to play fetch with me the whole time. Sorry, guys, if you heard any of that craziness. Oh, yeah. So, like, at the 45-minute mark, if it sounds weird, it's because I had to, like, clip and, like, add audio because Jeannie's giant main coon literally, like, shut off I'm the so connection. Sorry, <laughs> Thanks, Gibson. <laughs> well... This was great, Annabelle. Thank you for a wonderful, uh, wonderful review of this case. Absolutely. And uh, have I got anything wrong? If I got anything wrong, I hope I didn't. But let me know. If there's something you all know that I don't know or that I didn't include, I'll also throw it into our Instagram story. Cool. Our Instagram's looking amazing. At us. Mm. For sure. Yes. Cool. So episode three in the books, man. Thank you guys for tuning in. And we'll see you next, next time. time.
Bye. Bye.